Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. From Gimlet Media, this is The Nod, a show about Black culture from Blackness's biggest fans. I'm Eric Eddings. It's crazy to think sometimes, but hip-hop, like, as a genre is now middle-aged. By the numbers, it's at least 45 years old. And in that time, many of us have followed the highlight reel stories, you know? Park jams, Run DNC breaking down barriers, Jay-Z versus Nas, cash money taking over for the 9-9 and the 2000. But 45 years worth of history means that there are countless stories and moments that shape the culture that deserve a deeper look. The Gimlet Podcast mogul is working to tell those stories. It's now back with a new season, and this time it's going deep into the story of Miami hip-hop and the infamous Two Live crew. It all starts with this concert that would change hip-hop forever. Uncle Luke and the Two Live crew had just performed to a packed crowd in Miami. But just a few hours after that concert, a totally different picture. Luke's been over the side of a police car, legs spread, his palms stretched across the hood. And then the cuffs go on. Just a few days earlier, a Florida judge had ruled that Two Live crew's music was obscene. And so performing their songs was now against the law. That's why Luke was being arrested. That's a new host of Mogul, Brandon Jenkins. He's taking over for Reggie Osei, also known as Combat Jack, who passed away in 2017. This season, Mogul recounts how two live crew and their particular brand of raunchy lyrics popularized a new sound that was faster, harder, and nastier than ever and how defending that music turned them into some of the most unlikely First Amendment crusaders ever as hip-hop was put on trial. Luke and the crew were going to have to fight to keep their music on the airwaves and to keep themselves out of jail. And that battle exploded, forcing people across America to talk about race, sex, power, who gets to say what, and who should be allowed to listen to it. This season is wild, y'all. So we brought Brandon into the studio to talk about it and to play a very special Miami edition of Six Degrees of Black Separation. You'll hear that battle later in the show. But first, Brittany and I wanted to know more about Brandon's history with hip-hop. What are the stories and you know songs or like albums that like helped you fall in love with hip-hop? So think about like, what was that movie? Brown, Brown sugar. Brown sugar. sugar. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. I love that movie. Is that what your life is like? <laughs> yeah, no, it's like... definitely not like that at all. Yeah. <laughs> One of my earliest memories is hearing Uncle Luke records on High 97. Wow. And it was like essentially what trap music is today. It was yeah. something easy to catch on to. 
And then I remember, like, discovering, like, Rough Riders, Jay-Z. That was a big DMX fan. Mm -hmm. That's, like, my earliest memories of rap. And then being in the East Coast, it was like, all right, Dipset. Like, we need Dipset, 50 Cent. Like, those were sort of, like, my middle school and, like, high school years of (laughs) of rap music. Dipset was a movement. Yeah, it really was. was. Dipset was really a movement. Like, Dipset had a store in Jersey. So, like... (laughs) We were. Whoa, that makes sense. It was like 4X tall tees, uh, <laughs> like size 40 jeans. Cameron wearing pink was pink. a thing. It that re- was a big, big it thing. It really was a thing. Like, we were getting pink tall tees, pink polos that didn't fit. <laughs> like, terrible. Wait, so you've been covering hip hop for a while now. Mm-hmm. You were a journalist and commentator at Complex. Mm-hmm. You were a genius. I wasn't, but they just. They let me hang out there a lot. So I'm just, I, I, just, I, just, I, just, I, just I just keep popping were. up in the videos. Yeah. Uh, you still host at Revolt. Like, mm-hmm. are there any moments where you, like, think back to an interview that you did or something that you witnessed where you were just like, damn, I was there for that? You know, I was thinking about the other day. I was thinking about, um, this is before I was a journalist. I was a, like, a project coordinator or whatever job they give you. That means you're not actually going to get paid a lot of money. But I was that. Coordinator is, that's the yeah, tip. I was, I was that at um, DCOM, which eventually, it was like a creative firm that eventually bought Mass Appeal magazine. That's how yeah. I first got started. Oh, yeah, yeah. When I was at DCON, there was a project with MySpace, and we had to go food shopping with Action Bronson. Wow. And I remember, like, he took us to the Whole Foods in Union Square. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Somehow, some conversation about the cheese, and then the guy who worked the cheese department didn't know about the cheese. Him and Action get into an <laughs> argument. Um, we all get banned. We all get banned from Whole Foods. They're like, yo, we've taken your pictures. You guys can't come back in here. So I'm still banned from the Union Square Whole Foods. <laughs> now we're buying vegetables on the street in Union Square. So we go back to Action Bronson's house in Queens. I remember the apartment being almost empty, like one of those apartments, yeah. like where like everyone just stands and smokes weed, like one oh, of those. Man. I know you know what I'm talking yeah. about. Like <laughs> everyone's like, yeah, like everyone's like, oh, oh man, man, it took me back. So I remember he was cooking us food. There was like zucchini flowers. It was amazing. It was something I'd never had. It's like cheese worth arguing about. You know what I mean? Like I don't. Yeah. I, I've, I totally I've never had this in my that. life. Like he was. He's a. He's a true chef. Yeah. But I remember um, they were passing around blunts. So I'm like, ah, oh, cool, rapper weed. Like, yeah. dope. <laughs> Not dope. And I remember seeing something I hadn't seen before. Like, they were putting, like, these, like, crystals in it and I was like so look not stay away from that not those crystals but like oh, okay. yeah, thank god it wasn't like, like yeah dust or something but yeah. um, it sure felt like it so anyway <laughs> we're we're smoking and I'm like yo like what is this and I'm trying to be first off you're trying to be cool because he's a rapper yeah. and I'm like young and I'm just trying to like fit in but I'm smoking and I'm like yo like I don't feel so good like I feel crazy at some point I'm like standing up I'm like in the corner the, like, tr- like I can feel my socks on my feet you know what I mean <laughs> Like, and like, I know what's happening and they know what's happening, but they're being cool while I'm trying to be cool. So like, yo, you good? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, but I'm not good. Comes to find out it was wax. And like, this is like 2011. So like this shit was kind of new. They were breaking down wax and putting in the blunt. And um, I got like probably the highest I'd ever been. Yep. But then afterwards, he gave us like pineapple flavored popsicles and we went home. It was an amazing day. This is a great day. So that was like a weird rap story, but like. Stuff like that sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was a day. So, like, let's, let's jump to Mogul. Like, what made you want to even take on a project like this? Like, this is a super in-depth... I mean, we could tell you, Mega Podcast is intense. Yeah. You know, you know? I found it's out. It's taken some of the, the best years of my life. <laughs> what attracted you to it? 
Well, I'd been doing news at Complex for so long and started to feel like really step and repeat. Mm -hmm. And I always was like, man, I want to work on something for a really long time and make something really good Mm. and just learn how to tell stories. Where news, there is no up and down in a story. Mm. There's no no suspense. There's no drama. Mm. You don't even familiarize yourself with the characters. You sort of assume that the audience knows who these people are. Yeah. And so when this popped up, I knew I felt about Mogul when Combat did it. I was like, this is prestigious. This Mm. is something that like... This was something that was totally different. Okay, so last season of Mogul was about Chris Lighty and, like, his life. It was focused mm-hmm. on one person. I mean, Chris Lighty's, like, a really hard template to follow because he's entirely hip-hop. Yeah. And he came around during, like, the genesis of it. So for this season, we were deciding, do we chase a person? Do we chase a region? With Miami, it's this weird passing of the baton that happens mm-hmm. where one artist does something and they open the door for another artist and you pass that baton. Then another artist does something, you pass that baton. And so we were able to tell these sort of pocketed stories but stay in a region. And what's so interesting about Miami is that people always think South Beach, South Beach, South Beach. Yeah. Mm. And a lot of rappers claim that. That's oh, wealth, yeah. that's excess, mm-hmm. that means I've I've arrived. But a lot of them are born in this area like Liberty City that yeah. isn't that big. You know, and it's like all this talent comes out of one area. You include Carol City, you get Rick Ross, Denzel Curry, you know, you're going to get Trina, Trick Daddy, who knew each other as kids. Yeah. The Two Live Crew, Uncle Luke. Like, you get all these people that existed in a very small region at different times. And I think anytime Mm. that happens, it's always really interesting. Like, what's in the water? When you're in Miami, the energy itself is just crazy. Like, just driving around the city, everyone's outside because it's so hot. Yeah. Um, No buildings are tall. All the buildings are, like, pastel-colored. Everybody's got a nice car in Miami. They got big, like, wide-body cars, a lot Mm -hmm. of classics. Everyone's got golds and not the kind you can take out. And just the texture, the way they speak, the way they move, the tempo, um, all that's the kind of stuff I pay attention to. And they're just, they're different. They're also like a super passionate people where they're sort of like, I can do whatever I want. Mm -hmm. Like, who's going to stop me? And it's kind of real, you know, like they can do whatever they want. If you had to just drill down, like what feels like important about this season, like telling these stories about Miami, kind of trickling through all these different connections, like what, what feels important about that to you? The most important part, I think, for me, is how it connects to what's happening right now. Like, the moment we started researching in the beginning, I was like, oh, this is like this because of this. Mm-hmm. The blown out bass. I was like, okay, like all all of rap right now. Mm-hmm. The need to party in music and to mm-hmm. have that sort of tempo. Not that they were the first, but they were the most prominent. Yeah, That BPM, that energy, that region is still popping today. When I hear about the start of rap, you hear the Chris Lighty stories. You hear mm-hmm. the NWA, Dr. Dre, West Coast, G-Funk stories. You don't hear Miami. And they were the first record label in the South. And you can see that there's such a leakover effect of what they did in Miami in the late 80s, early 90s that set the tone for Atlanta, that set the tone for uh, the way we treat rap music, period, today, especially trap music. When you think about two major ports like New York City and Miami, it makes so much sense. You have all of these people coming in from, like, obviously around the world, but, Mm -hmm. like, when you think about, like, where— so much of the the soul of our music comes from in yeah. the United States. I feel like is the American South, and then also the Caribbean. Yeah, a lot of it is a result of like socio political, socio economic shit, where it's like we're just going to put you all here, mm-hmm. and we're going to crowd you in with these other people, and these other people, and these other people, and just through collision, you know, you end up sharing traits and customs and ideas and beliefs, and what comes out of that is like political power, spending power, but also culture, like mm-hmm. music, slang. It's like how you can have this, how do we all grow up the same where it's like that cup that's in everyone's house? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. what? what is that shit, right? Yeah. It starts somewhere. And so with the music, 
even in the earlier episodes, I'm learning that like that beat everyone does on the table. Mm-hmm. Who who teaches us that? And then you find out it's actually a real beat from the Caribbean. All right. mm-hmm. And I found that out in the episode was like, yo, I've lived this, but never, ever, ever thought to look into it. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah, that's really dope. But to think about that, like those things that connect us all that we often don't even like mm-hmm. see, like that's what you guys are zeroing in on. That to me feels like that's where like the gold is in culture of like the things that we're ignoring that we all do, all of us. Like what is that thing that we share and then why? I don't know if that comes through in this season. I hope it does, but that's what I got out of it. So I'm actually not sure if I said this on the show before, but I, so I worked on the first season of Mogul with Reggie and, you know, we had some, we had some interesting experiences making the show. Well, you uh, you were hanging with Reggie. Yeah, yeah. So, oh. yeah. <clears throat> one, similar to the story you told, you know, where uh, one of our interview subjects insisted, you know, that before the interview commenced, everybody had to smoke and drink to be as drunk and fucked up as he was. But I'm curious, like, for you, you know, what was this season like for you? You know, were, were there any blunts with wax in it? Like, what? Like what? Thank I mean, because you no. interviewed, like, some incredible people. Like, even within the first couple minutes of the first episode, you know, if you have a trained ear, you can hear the voice of, like, every major Miami hip-hop musician of all time. So everyone's, like, you know, everyone's famous. So getting them to do interviews is, like, what am I doing this for? And you're like, oh, <laughs> you know, and like yeah. Trick Daddy, Trick, I remember showing up and he was in a bad mood. And I remember like, apparently he had come from the club, but this is also, this interview is at 10 a.m. So <laughs> I'm like. It was an after hours yeah. spot. And clearly it popped. <laughs> clearly. Like, I don't know. Like, how long is after hours? The club closes at four. <laughs> so he was super tired. So throughout the interview, he's answering questions and like immediately he just kind of like dozes off on me. But he's like picking the story up back where he was. A, a true storyteller. Exactly. A professional. A professional. And and he was dedicated to telling these stories. And one was a story about him cooking for Uncle Luke. One was a story about him getting into fights with his older sister. One was a story about him getting in a rap battle to eventually join the two live crew, which never happened. It probably worked out to his benefit. But he, he would doze off in the middle. Mm-hmm. And at and I could tell no one outside really knew what was happening because he would just get quiet and they'd be like, trick. I'm like, nah, just let him sleep. <laughs> yeah, give him, give, him some, give him a moment. You know, they weren't short. It was like, okay, so then, and I was like, oh, man. You know, and so you, you get a little concerned, but I was like, trick's a pro. Yeah, he yeah, does he's this. he's done this before. Yeah. Well, don't go too far because when we get back, we got something special. We're going to play a little game. That puts Brittany and I on our ass each time we play it. Every single time. (laughs) There was an evil tone to that. Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) Coming up after the break, Brandon and Brittany play a friendly little game of six degrees of black separation. This is crazy because there's absolutely no way to prepare and your blackness is on the line. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Yeah. So, Brittany, now that we have gotten to know Brandon and Miami, I guess, a little bit better, Mm. I think it's time to put his knowledge and your knowledge to the test by playing a little game that we call Six Degrees of Black Separation. Six Degrees of Black Separation. The 
Miami edition. Wait, so hold on. This man just finished reporting for months Correct. about the city of Miami, basically from 1985 mm-hmm. to the present. The thing about Miami is that if you don't get it right, they threaten you. Yeah. So the stakes are high for both of us. Right. But, <laughs> okay, fair. I'll give you that. But I don't know shit about Miami. Well, I have faith. You have to have I faith have. in yourself. It's actually Literally. more of a pass for you because I— Spent months okay, that's actually a yeah, good point. That's like, actually, so if I don't know and something, I'm super then I'm nervous. like, fine. Don't yeah. be nervous. It's the game. I'm not going to lie. It can be emotionally taxing. Don't be nervous. The game is emotionally taxing. All right. Bet. It's like, I just wanted to be honest. <laughs> okay. But don't, but don't think it's like just a you don't know something. It's like everybody who's in this seat who plays the game. It's like, it's stressful. Yeah. Okay. Brandon, the goal of this game is to show that black people are... I think it's reasonable that many of us are related by six degrees or fewer. I can buy into that. So you will have to connect two black folks to each other in six moves or less. So say it's uh, Michelle Obama to Master P, okay? So the Obamas had that massive party as a farewell to the presidency. Solange Knowles was a performer at that party. So you can go from Michelle to Solange. And we know that Solange worked with Master P on a seat at the table. Mm, okay. All right. This is crazy because there's absolutely no way to prepare and your blackness is on the line. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. It's, I mean, you learn to live again. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I tend to win a little bit more than Eric, but it's still not that much more. That was just... It was a like there was no need. There's for that no need flex. for me to say that at all. <laughs> there was no there was need, no for, need that for me flex. to say that at all. I just wanted it to be stated. <laughs> I want it to be on the record while we have a witness in the room. Right, oh, this okay. is the truth. Sure. All right. So let's do it. Round one. Okay, so I have some categories here. And this is how we're going to do it this time. So, Brittany, you are going to choose one category, and you are going to choose one category, and then you each will choose a person from that. And those are the two people you'll be connecting. Okay. Mm, So I'm going to, okay. All right. So pick one card. Okay. And you pick one card. So stressed. Okay. Okay. All right. And so, uh, Brittany, why don't you go first? Okay. Celebrities that you didn't know are from Miami. Sydney Poitier. News to me. There you go. I actually have a personal connection to Sydney Portier. Really? Yes. Maybe it'll come up in the game. I don't know. I'm not going to mention it right now. But I can connect him to my damn self. Okay? <laughs> okay. All right. Let's get it together. Okay. Um, Betty Wright. Yes. Famous Jason R&B singer. Derulo. Oh, All right. So who do you choose? You got you got uh, Betty Wright. You got Sydney Portier. Right. You got Jason Derulo. I'm going to pick Sidney Poitier because I think it would be easier for probably both of us to remember movies that he's been in or been in with other people. All right. All, All right. right. So Sidney Poitier. Sidney Poitier. All right. What is our next category? Musicians from Miami that the NFL could have booked. <laughs> okay. Oh, shit. This is actually <laughs> oh, going to no. make it very difficult. Okay. 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 Sorry. I'm sorry for you both. Oh, it's going to be fine. Trick Daddy, Flo Rida, and Trina. <laughs> what the hell? All right. Uh, this is probably possible. You know what? Let's do Flo Rida. You feel good about that? No, but, but <laughs> why not? Um, what songs has he been in? I care. There's a lot of the songs I remember of his are just his songs. Oh, I damn. I don't know yeah, who I else he Flo Rida, knows. But, um, do you, you want to reevaluate? I'll give you an opportunity. Yeah, you haven't I'll started. You... I kind of do only because I can at least get a starting point if I think Trick Daddy. I can see where he Yeah, jumps help yourself. Off. I was surprised you right. picked Trick Daddy. Help yourself. All right. Okay, so Brandon, you are picking Trick Daddy. Just yep, to confirm. Yep, going with Trick. All right, so we are connecting 
Sydney Poitier to Trick Daddy in six moves or less. So, Brandon. Actually, I can see a route already. Uh, all right. Um, you can do it. I don't know if this works. So, like, trying to get around Sydney's films, mm-hmm. I know that Sydney did win the Academy Award. And I remember Denzel winning the Academy Award and attributing his award to Sidney Poitier during okay. his speech. Okay. That's factual. And he was in the audience, and he gave the nod to him as he won and took home the award yeah. for a training day. Didn't he and um, Halle Berry the same year? Yeah. I think it was the 2002. Hang on, I'm trying to find the exact year. All right, you are correct. Halle Berry and Denzel Washington both won Academy Awards in 2002, and they gave the honorary Academy Award to Mrs. Sidney Poitier. Mm. It holds up. They did have their moment. 40 years I've been chasing Sydney. They finally give it to me. What they do? They give it to him the same night. I'll always be chasing you, Sydney. I'll always be following in your footsteps. There's nothing I would rather do. All right. So that's that's one connection. Like, are you a journalist? Like, are you a journalist? Like, what's <laughs> We're good? We're off to a good start. Cool. So, wait, do I go again? You got to keep, keep going. going. Oh. You got to get to you gotta get the trick. <laughs> All right. I was like, oh, here you go. All right. All right. I'm done. Okay. So, that brings us to Denzel. Denzel. Damn. All right. Hold on. Let me think this through really quickly. Getting to Denzel actually significantly helps. I, I was curious how either one of y'all are going to get out of Sydney. Can they have, like, can the... Oh, man. They got to be black. <laughs> oh yeah, they have to be black. That's important. Scott, it's gotta be black. Mm-hmm. What about Scott Storch? The honorary, like nah, you know. Nah, nah. All right, <laughs> damn. Okay, <laughs> no Scott Storch. Here. Okay, cool. All right, there is no cookout. All right, exactly. Um, Denzel is in Training Day. Can Ray Allen get me there? Hold on. Denzel's in Training Day with Dr. Dre. Dr. Dre plays mm-hmm. um, a minor character. He is a very stingy cornrows. He's um <laughs> he's part of Denzel's illegal task force. Um, okay. Dre gets us to, damn. You got to go West Coast to <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, damn, how do I actually, how do I get there? I want to say Dre, library work with Tupac. We can even choose a song like California Love. California Love. And then I want to say Trick rapped on a posthumous Tupac song because Tupac is one of his favorite rappers. Really? What do you, can you remember a song? I can't. Um, I mean, and there's a good chance I'm just making that up. I I feel like I've heard it. Um, look look that right. up. And I think he's one of the rare rappers that actually got like a Pac verse. Wow. Is that correct? That is correct. Co- How in the fuck? <laughs> I don't remember lyrics and I never remember song titles, so it makes me a terrible rap journalist. But <laughs> right now for this game, it's enough. Like I feel. It's enough. It's enough. It's yeah. enough. All right. It's definitely a Tupac song featuring Trick Daddy. Literally, I never thought I would read that. So the name of the song is Still Ballin'. It's like on one of the later albums, right? Like yeah. after he passed. So like no one really checked for it, but it like there was <laughs> it a point where if you were a real big Tupac fan, you could go get a, you could a track. Get a, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was on Better Days. There you go. Is that with wow. a Z? With a Z, of course. I had, <laughs> I had a feeling. I had a feeling. Let's be honest. Wow. <laughs> you caught it. Okay, so that, sir, you did that. Yeah, in, you did that. Shit, that's three moves? Recap those moves really quick for me. So we went Sydney to Denzel. Mm-hmm. Then we went Denzel to Dr. Dre through Training Day. Mm-hmm. Then we went Dr. Dre to Tupac through their long history of working together. 
and then Tupac to Trick Daddy in a one-off after death. Feature. Yeah. That is four moves, Britney. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> now I feel like it's just like a false sense of confidence. Like now I'm like, yeah, right. like, let's do it again. Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> all right. Let me write down Trick Daddy's name so I don't forget. Because <laughs> I'm about to get lost in the weeds and I need help. So let's think about this for a second. Sydney Poitier. See if you can. Want to know a story about Sydney Poitier? Sure. So they have this. Uh, they have this. Uh, the people who you know bring in like black art and stuff like that to the Detroit Institute of Arts. They have this gala every year, whatever, called Bell African. Which is a big deal. And, you know, it's a big deal for, like, a Midwestern American black person because we don't... We always want to be connected to Africa, but, like, we don't really know. Yeah. We're a ways away. So people, like... <laughs> it's like this event. Everybody comes to the museum. They're all dressed up. My mom had a gele, like, you know, the Nigerian mm -hmm. type of... Had, you know, like, a beautiful, beautiful, like, fabric. It was, like, gold and white. And my mom had the best one there. I don't know how... I have to ask her. I don't know who tied it. I don't know who did this. But, like, she had the best one there. And Sidney Poitier is being honored that year. And he, like, came across the room. He walked up to her. He grabbed her hand. And he bowed. And he said, royalty. That's fire. <laughs> it takes my mom. And she saved it. She literally took the thing off her head. It is, like, on a shelf somewhere. Uh -huh. And you and her and your dad still together? It's important. <laughs> it's important note. I'm just saying. Sydney. Yeah. That damn Sydney. Wow, I was, like, 11? I didn't think about it like that. <laughs> so I need to get from Sydney to Trick Daddy. So let me think about this for a second. I have a very silly, tenuous connection between Sydney Poitier and Drake. Oh, okay. Let me just run it by you. I might have mentioned this before on a different episode of the podcast, but it really stuck out to me. So I used to watch Degrassi, The Next Generation. Mm -hmm. And I thought Drake was the finest man I'd ever seen in my entire life. Anyway, so he played this character called Jimmy Brooks. He was, like, a favorite character, and so they did one of these, like, behind-the-scenes things where they went to his house where he stayed, like— He says he lived in his mom's basement, Drake does, but it was yeah. a very nice, beautiful, finished basement. It was, like, a very nice basement. It was a very yeah. nice basement. I've seen basement. the MTV. Yeah, yeah it. <laughs> it was a super nice basement. Yeah. And there's this, like, box of prized possessions that he had or something like that, and there's this letter in there. And it was from a fan. This is one of the nicest letters I've ever received from anybody. He feels that I could complete the uh, trifecta of the greatest African-American actors of all time, Lord Sidney Poitier, Denzel Washington. And he says the third edition would be Aubrey Graham. Jason, the third you, being Aubrey Drake Graham. Wow. And wow. he saved that letter. I would imagine that he probably still has it and reads it he every definitely night. He definitely has it. Yeah. I think it's a journal prompt for him. Personally. <laughs> <laughs> I think Drake cherishes that. I don't know if that counts, but I think we should let it slide because I'm not going to be Brandon. That that just sounds super tight, and I yeah. like I I want to vote in favor of that. That's tight. It's like, kind of you. enough of an evolved story, and it definitely sounds so oh, much fuck. like Wait, you Drake. could beat me now. You could definitely beat me. No, yeah. I, well, no, but the thing is, is I would have to know more. Oh. <laughs> you, you're coming from like I researched Miami for months. I am a rap journalist. But that string up, that was yeah. He should act more. For what it's worth, he, Honestly, he, he was, was a decent actor. I thought he, I thought he was a decent actor. Yeah. I thought. I think he actually still could be. Actually, I think he has been because he pretended like he didn't have a whole child for a year and a half. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just saying facts. He I pretended guess. to be. He pretended uh, to be a childless. Unprovoked yet deserved shots. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. Like, all right. Damn. Woo, okay, well, you know I, what? we got to let that one ride. Right? I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> right, I'm so, so sorry. It just came to me. So, Sydney to Drake, okay. that's one move. You're already in 
in okay. hip hop in the rap world. Okay. Drake um, had a song with City Girls. Mm-hmm. You know, Kiki, do you love me? <laughs> um, and then I think Katrina had a song with City Girls too. Look at look, Google yes. it. I I'm think like, she. I can't remember it. I think she did a song with them. If not, it's a missed opportunity. It definitely. You would be correct. Okay. Um, what was the have, song? The song is "I Just Wanna," featuring Trina. I just remember because I learned about it from Instagram. I did listen to it. I just can't remember the song, uh, the song title, and then. Trina and, you know, and Trick Daddy, they go way back. Something that I learned from listening to Mogul is that mm. they probably, they they like, you know, everybody was going to this teen club back in the day. Sadly, so, yeah. they are not as close as they used to be. That's true. <laughs> oh, yeah, <But>. sorry. That. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But um, they were together on the scene. So, yeah. And also Drake, their, their first, like, big single, yeah. Nan. You don't know Nan. You don't know Nan. You don't know Nan. One thing I will say about Trick Daddy, and this to me is like the mark of just so much forethought. I was like, okay, I can fuck with you as a person for this. On his MTV Crips, I don't know if y'all remember. Remember, I they know went to his bathroom. And they were like, he's like, oh, here's my box of baby wipes or whatever. And he was like, I use these to wipe my butt. A grown man can't be walking around with crust in his booty. That sounds like Trick, and I can hear him saying it without actually remembering that scene. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, Brandon, congratulations. You came in, guest. Feel pretty good. Yeah. Walking out a winner. Walking Mm. out a winner. Yeah. Um, Wait. You you feel like you can— I think we tied. Did we? What? Oh, because you had four. I had four. What did you have? So you had Denzel, Dr. Dre, Tupac. I had Drake, City Girls, Trina. Ha! That actually we tied. Wow! So we I actually have. One. <laughs> damn! Wait, so how was that? Well, just because you you did it so quickly yeah, that like damn, wait, that I could go faster. I don't know what, so I was like, fuck. all right, no, no, no. We got we we probably have a tiebreaker. We're right? gonna have a tiebreaker. Okay. okay, we we luckily I prepared for this. Round two. Round two. Okay, so the rules for our tiebreaker round are slightly different. This is winner takes all, okay? You need to write your moves down silently, okay? So it's going to be timed. You'll get two minutes. All right. Two minutes (coughs) to complete this. Okay. And at the end of that, it's pencils down. The person who has completed this in the fewest moves at the end of the time wins. So I'm going to pass each of you one additional category. And you are going to, again, choose one person from a category. And those will be the two people you'll be connecting. So, Brandon, why don't you tell us what category and choose a person. Actors who booked their projects in Miami for the vacation. Will Smith, Janelle Monet, Mahershala Ali. Ooh. Hmm. All right. So who, who are you choosing? You got Will Smith. Known for doing a lot of stuff in Miami. He made that, well, he made that song. Whew, that was a dark time. Uh, but then also Wait, a lot of bad boys. that was good. Really? Yeah. Really? I mean, for my purposes, yeah. Was I like nine? <laughs> this is a great fucking song. I don't know. It doesn't quite. It, it kind of went off. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with. 
I'm going to go with Mahershala. All right, Brittany, who will we be connecting okay. Mahershala to? Let me read this. Celebrities who might as well be from Miami. Reasonable. These are, this is very true. <laughs> Gabrielle Union, Lil Wayne, and Shawnee O'Neal, who is of Basketball Wives, yes. ex-wife of Shaquille O'Neal. Mm-hmm. Also great at rocking a shortcut, so shout out Shawnee. <laughs> so... Gabrielle Union, Lil Wayne, Shania. Who are we trying to get? Who's the other Mahershala person? Mahershala to one of these three. I feel like we should, I should just choose Gabrielle Union. But like, you know when you like, when as soon as you start thinking about something, like you don't know anything about it all of a sudden? <laughs> that's yeah, that's, that's how I feel. Life. I'm like, yeah. can we get to Kirsten Dunst? Is that a way we can get? Can we get there? Um, okay, I'm going to go with Gabrielle Union. Gabrielle Union. So we're going to Mahershala Ali to Gabrielle Union. Okay, I'm about to put... Two minutes on the clock. <sighs> Hang on. All right, are you ready? I guess so. Ready? Yeah. Okay. Set. Go. Pick this. <laughs> Why not pick Janelle? <laughs> so, so time is up. So, Brandon. What- so, Mahershala made zero progress. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know why I picked him. Um, I'm thinking about all the films he was in that like stuck out with me, and he's like one of very few black people. And then I was like, Gabriel Union. I got stuck on Bad Boys too. So then I was thinking Martin Lawrence or Will Smith. Mm, Will yeah. Smith obviously is a dead end. Yeah. And Martin Lawrence, <laughs> it only, <laughs> you know, it, it only took me to. Um, I started. I got stuck on Blue Streak. Started thinking about Dave Chappelle. Oh, that was a yeah. good but movie. He's, but he's yeah. another one where a lot of their success had them as like the figure, even if they yeah. were the central figure. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I got screwed. So, well, I'm sorry that. Uh, your reign was short. The tide has turned, <laughs> yeah. Damn. The tide has turned very sharply. I think, well, I think the first one clearly was an anomaly. Like, I was like, all right, boom. And then this one is a whole bunch of illegible writing and some arrows. <laughs> so, you know. Uh, Brittany, what do you got? Okay. Mahershala Ali, I don't know if he was in this movie, mm-hmm. but I think that he was. Mm-hmm. But it could have been somebody else, but I think it was him. I just remember it was somebody really sexy. I think that Mahershala Ali played Taraji P. Henson's husband, in Hidden Figures. Correct. Taraji P. Henson's stylist is Jason Bolden. Correct. Styling Hollywood on Netflix. I followed him on Instagram before then because I am smart. <laughs> and Jason Bolden mm-hmm. also styles Gabrielle Union, who appears on Styling Hollywood. That is correct. I would have never gotten there. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. And that was actually very efficient. Brittany, you are our winner. I don't feel good about this. <laughs> I that, don't. That was crazy the way you got that off. You know what, though? I don't know. A part of me feels like I didn't get here because of my Miami knowledge. No, you got here because of your black knowledge. That works. Like, <laughs> you know that, what? I'll take it. And that's a trump card <laughs> in this it. game, you know? It I'll works. take it. I'll take it. Damn. I need to, I need to do, like, I need to uh, come back. I need to, like, a chance to, like, redeem myself. Oh, yeah. You have to come back. This is fun. For what it's Wait, worth. What did I win? You don't mean um, You don't get a trophy in this moment, but I'll give you like 30 seconds to say whatever you want to gloat. Um, okay, I can say whatever I want. Um, I think that climate change is real. 
I'm very <laughs> pleased and impressed that there are a lot of hmm. young yeah. girls that are in leadership in the climate change discussion and a lot of young girls of color. Mm-hmm. Shout out to all the young kids out there doing what they need to do. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry that we failed you. So yeah. that's what I want to say. White supremacy is real. And climate change is real. That was like very 2019 awards season. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. Hit all the because, like you know, two years ago we weren't doing climate change. You were you were on point. I think the thing I want to say the most though is that Brandon, it was a joy to play with you today. What's crazy is like my pride is creeping in, and I'm like, are you a ringer? Like, did you guys set this up? Like, no. like now I'm like, wait a second. Now, trust like, me, I would not cheat to help Brittany. No, he wouldn't. Seriously. <laughs> We'll have you I'm back. I'm going to see cards in my dream. We'll have you back. Like, I'm yeah. going to come back. He's going to be like on Devin the Dude's third <laughs> mixtape on the sixth track. I'm going to be ready. He made a reference. Yeah. The entire second season of Mogul is now available for binge on Spotify, or you can find it wherever you get your podcasts. The Nod is produced by me, Eric Eddings, with Brittany Luce, Kay Parkinson Morgan, and Wallace Mack, with additional production assistance from Sean Dukani Mulaudzi. We are edited by Sarah Saracen. The show was mixed by Cedric Wilson. Our theme music is by Khalid B. Additional music in the show by Cedric Wilson. Oh, yeah, the other thing I would say is, Do some of your thinking out loud, but don't do too much thinking out loud because then I will be able to use whatever information you don't end up going with for your connection. Say so. So, like, be careful about what you say out loud, but do let us know what you're thinking. (laughs) Because it is a podcast. Don't be nervous, but this is stressful. Okay, like that. I get it. Calm down, but be hype. Facts. Okay.